Welcome to a great day for hockey talk with your host, Paul Steigerwald. Paul Steigerwald standing by with his special guest. And let's go down the ladder right now and join him. Hello again, everybody. This is Paul Steigerwald. Welcome once again to another edition of It's a Great Day for Hockey Talk. On the eve of the playoffs, I thought it would be fun to talk to three guys who made a huge difference in the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins. When I say history, I... I mean history, because these guys were with the Penguins for much of their careers. They did move on and play for other teams, but really, they bled black and gold, and they still do. And they were original Penguins who were all part of those horrible days when the Penguins were trying to find themselves as an organization and a franchise before Mario Lemieux, once he arrived, and of course, once the Penguins finally won the Stanley Cup in 91 and 92. These three players were an integral part of that. And I think because they went through the tough times, that's what made them appreciate the good times so much and what made us appreciate what they brought because they were part of the fiber of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think that when they left, a huge part of the soul of the Penguins franchise left with them. And I honestly believe that one of the reasons why the Penguins did not win a third straight cup is because all three of these guys were not still in the fold when the Penguins played in 92-93, and then beyond. So let's listen to my conversation with three great guys. Phil Bork, who was undrafted, joined the Penguins in 82 as a free agent out of Chelmsford, Massachusetts. He had gone on to play junior hockey for the Kingston Canadians rather than play college hockey, as a lot of guys do from Massachusetts. Bob Airy, who was drafted in the first round in 1983, 15th overall out of Peterborough, and Troy Loney, a third-round pick out of Lethbridge in the Western Hockey League from Bow Island, Alberta. He was uh, acquired in the draft in the third round back in 1982. And by the way, Airy played 572 games, Loney played 532 games, and Phil Bork played 344 games in the regular season for the Penguins between 1982 and in 1993. Oh, and by the way, we had some minor audio difficulties with uh, one of the microphones uh, in this conversation, so you'll notice a little glitch down then, especially when uh, myself or Bob Airy are talking. So we apologize for that, and uh, we decided to keep it all in there because we really like the conversation. We hope you enjoy it. Well, guys, thanks a lot for coming. I appreciate it. Uh, it's great to see you three together. When I think of you, I think of you as being the heart and soul of the Penguins. Uh, for many years in the 80s when you waited until those great moments of uh, 1991 to finally win the Stanley Cup. But uh, I wanted to start with just maybe your memories of the build-up to that, what it was like for you guys to be in the Penguins organization in those years in the 80s when things weren't going so well. I'll start with you, Borky, because uh, you spent more time, I think, playing minor league hockey than these two guys did, and uh, you really paid your dues. And, um, thank you for starting with me, Staggy, because I have seniority on these guys. At least by a couple years. I came in in 82 when we were bad, right? And it didn't get a whole lot better for, for many years. I think the, the common denominator with the three of us is not only being a part of those Stanley Cups, but we were cutting our teeth down in Baltimore where we were having a whole bunch of fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've kind of paid our dues all together. I just think it's really ironic that all three of us played the same position, but all three of us were pulling for each other. It's, it's a weird dynamic I, I look back on it now and you know guys are always trying to step over other guys to get up to the national hockey league you can't blame them sometimes but i thought it was refreshing that the three of us actually pulled for each other and you really and you really did play all left wing in, in baltimore too yeah, except for work he started out mostly well he tried defense for a while and, and that didn't go so well 
but uh, yeah, we were we we all came into the Penguins and and became left wingers. And you know what? What I think was uh, uh, I thought was really neat about it is that we all had a little different version of what we were. You know, um, I was obviously the goal scorer of the three of us. Um, you know, so I would say you know just you know Bobby was kind of a, at one end. I was at the other end, and Borky kind of sat in the middle there. So we all had different things. I thought we we complemented the the team well and, and each other well. Yeah, you know, I agree with that totally. It was uh, it's amazing that we uh, were able to endure that many years of uh, up up and down <laughs> that bus up and down. We knew Breezewood very well oh, going back and forth. We, uh, I don't even know how that worked out. Um, I think maybe management moved on. We had a lot of different coaches throughout, and somehow we just. Maybe because they could put us down in the minors on a two-way contract. It was pretty easy for them to do. And, uh, you know, we mucked it up. I, it, I guess it uh, shows that we had a little moxie. We had a little something inside us. And that's yeah. called character, I think, guys. And, uh, you know, for, for us to endure those things, it made it all that more. Uh, you know, you know what else was refreshing? We and, we, and to this day, I think we can keep it kind of G-rated here. I think we can kind of uh, bust each other's cookies. But also, it, it carried over in the locker room and on the bench. And that's, I, I'll be honest with you guys, I never found it again what we had as a team. Right, Troy? Yeah. That there was a way that, that I could say, hey, Loney, get, yeah. Your, yeah. get your butt going, man. Yeah. And you'd be like, you tap me on the pad and go, thanks, I kind of needed that. Yeah. And, and sometimes guys are too sensitive. But we had a way that we could, we could kind of kid with ourselves but also push ourselves. Well, and that, that comes with, with learning how to win. And I think we all had, you know, as youths had some good success and that i think that, that that definitely helps and you know i would say this about baltimore too it was we were down at the end of the world down there we spent a lot of time on the bus yeah. but there were some very interesting guys i mean there were some some oh, veterans yeah. down there you go were real beauties yeah. but they were also guys that i can honestly say i learned how to be a, a good pro down there with some of the guys we had you know gary risling yeah definitely tough as nails character guy but boy he kind of he, he kind of learned how to do that yeah. you got to have that in your minor leagues, uh, otherwise guys are just trying to figure it out on their own. Yeah, I actually think there was some better pros down there than there was in Pittsburgh at the time. <laughs> to be honest with you, and including you guys, he's not. <laughs> you're not that far off. No, no. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I looked to you know. I think there was a lot of guys in the National Hockey League that uh, were worried about their jobs and worried about us young guys coming in, and they weren't. They weren't that open and, and welcome to sharing tricks of the trades, and and really could drag you down if you were led astray. Uh, you know, a positive influence was a guy that I looked up to was Rick Keo the first year. And that, you know, that was one guy. But there was other guys that were, you know, were caught up in a group. And it wasn't – the culture wasn't really good. And we talk about culture a lot now in the game, I think, Borky. And and uh, you have to be in the right culture. And I, and I agree with what Troy said. There were some guys down there, the Carlsons, the Rizlings, guys you you kind of – I thought were – were great to be around and, uh, and and had toiled in that kind of thing and they weren't afraid to help you out and, and to get you to that next level yeah and, and and let me let me just say what you talk about culture and i know staggy wants to get the mic back but we're not gonna let him have the mic <laughs> the, uh, we, the, the thing i found the biggest change for the penguins in the years that, that that we were all here was when and people always look at me like i got nine heads when uh tony esposito came in and he said hey i want you know, Tony was Tony. We all know that. But I want you guys to be respected. I want the team to respect you. I want the organization to respect you. We're renovating the whole locker room. We're yeah. changing out everything. This is what we're going to do. We're going to treat you guys first class. That was not necessarily the culture prior to him coming there. And that, that started something with us, yeah. I thought. I think that, uh, to your point, I, I read an article about Paul Coffey saying that, that he went to Youngstown. Yeah. With the Mrs. Yeah. Barlow. Yeah. Barlow. Yeah. And he yeah. said, yeah, you know, 
well, we got to change stuff. We got to put, you know, some. We got to show championships. We got to start thinking about this. Better and skate that. sharper than machine. A whole yeah, bunch of stuff, right? Thing. Yeah. And then that, that goes to your points. Right? Yeah. So you said you were having fun down there, but you weren't playing in the National Hockey League. So how were you able to maintain your, you know, positivity? You know, your your confidence in yourselves that you knew you were someday going to play in the National Hockey League, knowing that the Penguins were struggling like they were, and yet you still weren't getting your opportunity. It's kind of a, it's kind of a paradox. I'll be honest. With you, I was thinking at the time we were pretty good down there. We were. That yeah. it was actually better to be down there. Sixteen straight. Right, yeah, right. We won sixteen straight. There. I can't remember who was part of that team. I tell you, it was a, it was a great environment. We really were a, a band of brothers, and we were a good team. And I'll be honest with you, I I know we would kind of kid and whisper around, but we we felt that if there was ever a, a, like an exhibition friendly <laughs> yeah. game between us yeah. and the Penguins, we felt at the time in the early eighties we could take the Penguins and, and we, beat them up and beat them up because <laughs> we, we had Greg Tebbett and, and Ben <laughs> Wolf. We had some some tough hombres on that team, but. You know, there was, there was, it was a pretty good, it became a pretty good environment down there in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys knew that if you go up, yeah, maybe you have different numbers at the end of your paycheck. But at the end of the day, we were pretty happy down there, feeling like we're, we're on the right path. But it's not a great environment in Pittsburgh no. right now. And we felt like we just had to buy our time. Yeah, and I would say this. I would say we, I think we all had our chances. What, what, what I found weird that the organization was in the struggle of, we're gonna go. We're gonna bring in some older guys who might be at the end of their career. We'll see how that goes. Hey, that didn't work. We're gonna go young, and then you'd come up and play for a couple games. And you know, and you know what I kept finding myself to. I'd come up, play a little bit, sit on the bench for a few yeah. weeks, go back down, have to get in shape, yeah. start playing well, get called up. I mean, I went up and down. I think it was seven times in one year. Wow. I was up and down before noon one day. I got from Baltimore <laughs> to, to New York yeah. and back. I was like, yeah. ah, you're not supposed to be up here. You got, your plane leaves in an hour. Well, I, they didn't have Google Maps back in the day, so I looked at a map, and I saw Highway 30, and they were sending me down to down to Baltimore, and I thought I could take Highway 30. Well, it took me about 15 <laughs> hours to get there. I, got, I, I think I missed a game. And 30 looked great until yeah. I realized uh, the terrain on, on whatever road I ended up on was ridiculous. I swear to God, I, I turned a three-hour trip in with a 12-hour drive. I kid about Breezewood, but actually I'd stop oh, at yeah. the same place all the time and the guy would be like hey Borky there you are again like I it was a first name basis I had gone up and down that that path so many times from Baltimore to Pittsburgh so you guys won a lot of games down there you actually went to the championship series the one year against uh, Sherbrooke and Patrick Waugh was in goal he was a rookie at that level then the next level uh, he went up to the National Hockey League the next year and won for the Montreal Canadiens won the cup so what I'm thinking is the Penguins needed a winning culture, and in a weird sort of way, by you staying down and being part of that winning culture down there, you kind of brought it with you yeah. uh, to a certain point. And also Gino Briaco, right? Because he was your coach there. Yeah. So what I remember about the 88-89 season, you mentioned Tony Esposito, was that Gene came in and he liked you guys. Like, he, you were his boys because he had seen you at the American League level. Would you agree with that, that he, yeah. he supported you? Uh, I'll be brief because I know the eyeballs are staring at me right now because I was considered one of my three sons, you know. There was Dan McCarthy. Dan McCarthy. There was Steve Carlson and me, and he absolutely loved me. He was like a dad to me. And so I know you guys are rolling your eyes. and But all three of us really had different relationships with Ubi, but you're right. Ubi identified us as kind of – uh, you know, those those muckier and grinder guys that you need to win, and I think he embraced what we brought to a hockey team. Well, isn't that the same as what kind of happened here with this version of the Penguins when right. you got, you know, the Gensels and the Russ all right. came up with Mike Sullivan? He knew right. what they brought, and he knew what that's what's what they needed, an injection of that youth from the minor leagues, guys that he knew what they brought and he could trust. And 
Got more victories. What do you think, Trey? I just think I had the same practice for nine years in a row. That's what I think. <laughs> I couldn't get that out of my mind. <laughs> he didn't change it. A lot of repetition. A lot yeah. of repetition, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, you guys finally made the playoffs for the first time in yeah. a really long time. And uh, it's kind of set you up for what was to come. Uh, even though Gene left and Tony left, there was something that happened that year that I think kind of set the stage for what would come. Yeah, you. That, that, I think that, that you know, like I mentioned before, that treating everyone with a lot of class, you guys are going to, we're going to treat you like winners and become winners, you know, and, and so I think they definitely set the culture there. And Gene, you know, Gene had a way of coaching, and he was consistent, and he wasn't wasn't scared. He wasn't scared to try new things during the game. Like he would every now and then he'd do something. You go, really? We're going to yeah. do this during the game? And I think he brought a little bit of excitement to the team and the organization, and it and it did definitely flow over. But you know, ultimately, you know, you get guys in that. You you think you can win. You've been on teams and you, you may have had success and you and you were winning. But then you you think you can win. You really need the guys that that kick you you know pretty hard and tell you you can win. And and the Penguins when we put the, together the team that won was unbelievable. We had a lot of guys in that team that knew we could win. I thought I thought when we brought Paul Coffey in, that's yeah. a big part change. You mentioned Trotz. a little bit, Bobby, and, but Trotz was a little bit oh, later. Yeah, Trotz, Trotz. Trotz. You know, yeah, yeah. We're talking about '89 yeah. when we first made the playoffs with Gene Ubriaco. Yep. I think it was Coff was really the guy that you know. And even when we made the playoffs, a lot of us had never been there before. We didn't know what to expect. But Coff yeah. not only had been there before, he had won. He'd won the ultimate prize with Edmonton. So he was such a key part on and off the ice. All the workouts he would do after the game, we became in better shape, both uh, you know, physically and mentally. We were just a stronger bunch. And I think Paul Coffey was a, a big reason for that because that, that was before Ronnie Francis and before Yager and yeah. before you know, Ophie Simpson. That was before all those guys. And we still did some damage in sweeping the New York Rangers in 89 in the first round. Mm-hmm. So things got a little uh, weird the next year. And I remember we were on the road and – Gina Briaco was let go at some point, and there was a story in the paper about uh, Gene was quoted as saying, um, trying to teach Mar- Coach Mario is like trying to teach a shark tape manners. Do you remember that? And it was like a little – and somebody put in a little uh, uh, cartoon in one of the papers out west, and it was like a shark sitting at the table eating dinner or something like that. I mean, people made a big deal out of this quote. But gone he was, and Craig Patrick came along. And how did that change uh, just the whole feeling of uh, credibility or whatever you want to call it heading you know, into that, the rest of that season when he was, after he was let go? Not a not a smart career decision for Gene, was it? No. <laughs> to, say that, to say that about Mario. That doesn't work. Yeah, so it, it didn't end well for Gene. But you're right, Craig had kind of, he'd kind of, you know, said, I'm the boss here, and, and I, for him to go behind the bench and get a feel for his team, you know, and then to bring in, you know, who we brought in and, and badge Bob, um, that really set the wheels in motion. I think from that point, I think this whole organization became different. Well, Badger Bob is, you know, bringing him in. I mean, what a you talk about culture. You talk about a guy that, that made it enjoyable to come to the rink and, uh, you know, I know it's a job, but you're grinding all the time. It's nice to have a guy like Bob, uh, you know, talk about some different things in, in your life. And, you know, we'd been we'd been toiling for a long time, yeah. us guys. So it was nice to get a different uh, different side of things other than the crime that we had to endure uh, to get to that point. Well, positive, right? Positive, positive, positive. And that positive stuff was not necessarily a lot of coaching mentalities in those days. And it was always teaching and learning. And it was, you know, Craig brought in the – you know, he he didn't he didn't say much. I mean, he was a very quiet guy. I mean, I was uh, my was. hand I had my hand broke. I remember when he when when Gene got fired and 
And Craig came in. I had a broken hand, and I wasn't playing. And uh, Craig says, come on, you come back behind the bench. Well, now, that was unusual. I got to, yeah. got to go behind the bench. and Still a young player. I, st- I yeah. was still, yeah, well, thanks. Appreciate yeah. that. I was, uh, you know, it was nice to kind of get behind behind the scenes there. And at least I felt like I was part of something. Down. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I tried to get you guys in a power play. I kept pushing for it. They were like, no, that's not happening. So you were all left wingers, and as I recall, Badger Bob Johnson came in, and he put in the left wing lock because he recognized that all three of you guys were good defensive players, and he thought that would be a good place to start. Am I right about that? That, that was a big part of it, and we, but yeah. we embraced that system too because, you know, that was mostly in that, that Washington series where we wanted to, uh, you know, we, we had to change something up. We went into a bit of a 1-4 you know, delay in the neutral zone, but also that, that left wing lock because we all understood that we were fairly intelligent hockey players that understood there were times we were going to have to be the guy on the left wing lock. If, if the D's going to stand up, you got to go back and get the puck. You know, you have, to, you have to be the guy first back to pick up the puck. And so we were all willing to do that. We all had different skill sets. Uh, and I think Badger Bob identified that the one strength that we had is, is we embraced that position and we we're willing to do the little things. Well, well, we wanted to play defense, right, Troy? I mean, that was part of our game. I mean, we knew we had to – that's why we are in the National Hockey League. We weren't going to score a million goals, but we better keep them out, and we pay the price to do that, shot block and do it, whatever it took to play the defense. Well, and that was the, – the the thing I liked about Bob so much is he made it very clear what your role was. You know, like it's like, hey, Loney, if we're down, <laughs> if we're down a couple goals, just be patient because when we get up, you're going to be out there, but probably not to go score a goal, yeah. you know, on the flip side. <laughs> The guy I would tend, have a tendency to take off the ice was Kevin Stevens late in the games, and oh my god, <laughs> whoa, whoa, he just the, oh, the yeah. big Boston accent, <laughs> just barking. Yeah. Oh, well, but, the but, same things happens now. Kessel gets taken off the ice late in the game. It's rule definition, isn't yeah, it? But yeah, you're, right. you're right, Troy. That's, you knew you weren't going to play the power plays, yeah. but you knew when the game was online, you were going to be out there, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, and it, and he was true to it. A lot of coaches, you say, you know, and then they get there's some personalities getting away, but Bob was very true to what he gave you a role and said. This is it. This is what you're good at. Be ready for it. Yeah. I want to try something here, Borky. If you could, just talk about Troy. What what, what you yeah. saw in Troy as a teammate. And the Penguins in digging here with Yager, Loney, and Trotty. A penalty coming up against the Canadians. Loney was knocked down. Jenny shoots a score. The Penguins have flicked it in. Loney, it may have hit him, and the Penguins make it 3 to nothing. LLB cow kick. Right in front, the shot from the left point by Jennings may have hit Loney and deflected in by Patrick Waugh, and the Penguins scored on a delayed penalty call and lead the game 3 to nothing. Once again, this line working hard. Trotje in the corner. Got up to Yager, who just pushed it back to the point. Jennings just fired as soon as it came to him, and it hit something on the way in, maybe a skate or something, and jumped past Patrick Waugh to make it 3 nothing. Loney was parked in front. And I don't think Waugh really saw that puck either on that shot from Jennings. 24. Troy And it is the big uh, left winger of the Penguins who gets credit for the goal. Yager and Jennings on the assist. So Troy Loney gives the Penguins a 3 nothing advantage. Uh, first of all, the ultimate teammate that, uh, you know, he would fight Rick Tarkin with his nose smashed all over his face <laughs> if he knew he Thanks, was stick, doing the right thing too. and sticking up for you. Um, yeah, he knew how to keep it light. In the locker room, when we needed someone to kind of come in and, you know, come in with all these buckles all over his skates, and you know that's you know kind of lighten it up a little bit. But he also knew how to keep it serious, and uh, you know he bought into what all of us were doing. That we were kind of we didn't need a head coach to come in and tell us what we needed to do. We need our teammates. We need somebody that would get outside this comfort zone. Troy was that guy. As far as on the ice, 
just a, a, you know didn't have the greatest. Don't take this the wrong way, Troy. Hey, 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 but hey, no, no, hey, yeah. hey. slippery he slope. Like here it comes. No, he didn't have the the greatest of skills. He wasn't going to dingle dangle all the way up the ice and put it through somebody's oh, legs. But you know, somebody to to take it to the net hard. You know, didn't score a lot, but a lot of times the goals were big goals. They were big goals. They're timely goals, and you need guys like that 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 understand their role. And to to me, not only a, a great friend. Uh, a great teammate, but really a guy that you wanted to go to war with. You wanted to go to the trenches with because you knew he either had your back or was going to make the little play to be a difference maker in the game. Well, Troy's, Troy's as tough as they come. You know, and uh, I remember him kick, kicking a goal in. I don't even know. Did you, did you even touch that <laughs> doesn't goal? Have, doesn't matter, Bob. My name's on that sheet. <laughs> that was a yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's allegedly didn't touch it. Uh, just... I remember him taking a high-sticking penalty in the Minnesota series that we had to kill off. Oh, these are all positive <laughs> things. Uh, but we wanted to kill it off for Troy. Because Absolutely. he would have done the same thing for us. And uh, he was a big game player. You know, I think of Troy, I think uh, – I think of smarts. Uh, when I, I still think of it now, I still think of him that way. The way he carries himself, uh, the way he carries himself, carries himself with our team, a leader, just a, a very astute guy to know what to say at the right time and and to to know how to act at the right time. Just a hockey player, know when to fight, know when to block a shot. And, you know all those things that you can't. I don't know how you quantify it or how you teach that. It's something that he just had inside him. Troy. Borky, what did uh, what did Borky bring to the table? Yager of the Penguins now streaking through to the right wing, going to Kevin Stevens of Pittsburgh. Goes the left side of Lemieux. Will he shoot it? No, he goes to Bork. His shot. Hey! Shoots and scores. Bill Bork ties it at four. Oh, scratch my back with a hacksaw. Bill Bork. Bill Bork now has points in four straight games in this series. He has come alive offensively for the Penguins, getting more ice time, getting an opportunity to play on the power play. He's a good point man, has been in his career, and he drilled that one down along the ice against Don Beaupre. Yager was in front. The puck came out to Bork. Beaupre reacted a little late on that. It looked like it went between his legs. I think Yager skating in front of Beaupre made it difficult for him to get a read on where that puck was, and he just didn't get a beat on it in time. And Bork, to his credit, let it go in a hurry. He one-timed it, and that made it tough for Beaupre to react. Well, Bork was a lot of fun to play with, I could tell you, on and off the ice. The joy of ruining with him at the same time. So oh, it was yeah. a, lot of, a lot of secrets. Take him to the grave. Take him to the grave. It was what Borky could do is he could play both positions, number one. He, he converted from being a D to a Ford, which was, which was very impressive. Um, you know, outside of wearing that stupid little helmet that I think he had on his head that really wasn't anything. Uh, had good wheels, scored some huge goals for us at, at big moments in games. Had had a, a great ability to kind of go around guys uh, and, and go after it. And, and not, not, a, not afraid to get out there and, and duke it up when he needed to. He, he went after some guys pretty hard and some, some big guys at the time. And, um, you know, a great teammate to be around and a great guy to win with because, you, like you know, like we all talk about, it's, it's nice to win for each other because in the end, you know, it, it was great to win for the city. It was great to win for But in, in the end, you've got, you've got all these guys in the locker room, and Phil was one of those guys who wanted to win for. Yeah, I remember Borky. I mean, tough as, tough as nails. I mean, uh, still doesn't like Bob Rouse, but he'll get over it. <laughs> He's a Westerner. He's Can't a Westerner. Help He's a tough guy. Yeah. Uh, Borky scored big, big goals. He, he had a flair. He had uh, had the mullet. He 
went on a breakaway and turned a stick over on the puck. He was told never to do that again. <laughs> He'll never see the ice. Uh, I liked it. I still like it. I mean, yeah, he had his he he left his mark on the game, and uh, he man, he could play hockey. Can you imagine playing both defense and offense? Uh, I don't know how how you could do that, but uh, you know, he could skate shoot there wasn't a lot of things Borky couldn't do I think all those uh, uh, attributes that he had uh, kept him in the game and uh, really I think it did Borky I mean you know when when there was a position that needed to be played you could do it you could kill penalties you could go on the power play there wasn't anything you couldn't do in the game and to play both sides of the puck like that it's, it's really amazing to me and both wings, which was kind of new back then. Yeah, he was one of the, he was know. one of the first guys that, that that played both sides for us. And which uh, is... and and you know these guys are good teammates and great friends all the way along. So um, you know, wouldn't have a couple rings without you guys. Yeah. What about Bobby? Out to center, Yager steps his way into the fire. He's got every kind of the net. He's right there. His backhander stop, rebound, scores. Bob Airy ties the game for the Penguins. He got his own rebound back, and the Penguins have tied it in one. Ah, great balls of fire, Bob Airy. And talk about not giving up on the play. He knew that Hextall stopped him the first time, but he wanted to get one more crack at it. And he's a great skater, Bob Airy, with tremendous agility on his skates. He went up in the air and made an unbelievable individual effort to score that goal. He was flying through midair and reached down with that stick as he was going in midair and whacked it into the net. That's just a tremendous goal. That's the, that's the greatest goal I've ever seen Bob Airy score. Bobby, you know, Bobby, you know, a lot of first-round picks, uh, the kind of the uh, the road is paved, right? And road is paid for them. It's it's easy, like, you know, they get the benefit of the doubt all the time. Bobby didn't, and that's what you have to admire about Bob Airy. You know, he, he came from the Peterborough Peets where – you know, he was, he was carrying T.V. Eisenman's, uh, you know, luggage around on the road for him and doing everything he could. But, you know, what? it got him to be a first-round pick. But also, you got to be smart to play with a guy like Steve Eisenman and a guy like Mario Lemieux and have success. And not only, you know, the four-check, back-check, paycheck, he did it all, right? First guy into four-check, first guy back to uh, back-check, but also go hard to the net, tapping goals that he got all the time from Mario. No, I'm kidding a little bit, but, you know, Bobby was another one of those those guys that, man, thank God you're on our team because if you were on the other team, I'd want to rip your head off, man, because you were a jerk on the ice. But thank oh, God you were – yeah, I know you consider that a compliment. I know you do. And, uh, you know, you're a guy that didn't matter if the guy was six foot five, 240 pounds. If it meant doing the right thing to help your team win, you wouldn't do it just some of the time. You did it all the time. Yeah, and, and I, I would agree with that. First off, Bob's Bob and I same, share the same birthday, different year, same birthday. It's amazing. Hey, isn't it? Oh, hey. So romantic. I know it is. Yeah, and Gordy Nadine. Yeah, it was a big celebration in <laughs> yeah. training camp every year. Uh, but I agree with Phil. I mean, number one, Bob had great speed, right? Lightning in a bottle. I remember. I remember. Yeah. Who the heck is this lightning in a bottle guy? That 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 Lang. I think Mike Lang gave him the, the title lightning in a bottle, and then he had. He was wearing that great mustache they had for such a long time. <laughs> but we were like, who's this kid coming into camp? And he had, and he had some wheels. I mean, yeah. Bobby had some great wheels. And, and, and to Phil's point, first on forecheck, drive to the net really, really hard, had a sneaky shot off the wing. He was, he was good, and he had a lot of responsibility. I mean, everybody, there were a lot of folks played with Mario, but not many stuck around as long as Bob does. And you don't do that without being able to think the game and play the game. But I would echo what Phil says, just, you know, that you wanted to, to, to be around each other and play around each other and continually to do it all the time. And, like, I can't, I can't ever 
think of a moment in my mind. I was like, why is Erie playing in that position in, in that time in the game? I just can't ever remember I'll, that. I'll throw one more thing in there too, Bobby. I mean, we had some Hall of Fame players on our team. But it was Bob Erie that had the letter A on his shoulder. Yeah. You know, and that tells you a lot of not only what his teammates thought of him, but what the coaching staff thought of him. That Again, another guy that wasn't afraid to open up his mouth. And there was times he'd say things and be like, what, the, what are you talking about? But you were right. You know, and, that's, and that doesn't happen in the locker room a lot of times. A lot of guys are just they're church mouths. You know, they, they just kind of keep quiet and want to do their own thing. Bobby was willing to put himself out there and say what needed to be said. And I, I tell you what, he was – Highly respected in our locker room. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I, and, and, but what both of you guys said, you know, I think, and, and what you're alluding to, Troy, as well, is that, that trust. It was never – I always felt good when you guys yeah. were on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I did. There was not one point where I said, like Troy said, that I figured, yeah. why is he out there and why am I not out there? I right. never felt that at all. I, I was always trusted these guys when they're on the ice. And uh, in any situation, in that final big minute, whether it was me or whether it was them, I tried to you know, get the job done. And some of them might have been we never played with each other. Like, honestly, I, I mean, even Bo Berkey played a little bit of right wing. I don't think I ever played in a line with you no, for more than like a, a hangover no. and a leftover on a shift or something. So maybe that's why we actually got along pretty good. <laughs> we never played on the same line. <laughs> Do you realize how rare it is, though, for three players to have toiled for as long as you did together in the same organization and then get to where you got to? And because think about the Penguins today. I mean, we had guys, yeah, Bobby mentioned guys that came up from the minors and contributed, but they weren't there for a long time yeah. waiting for years for the team to finally turn into what the Penguins turned into in the early 90s. It's really, really rare. I mean, you guys were together a long time. So what was it like to finally win? Like you won a yeah. Stanley Cup after all that. No, it, it was because we had all gone through, like, like you're saying, that when you're in Baltimore, it's the most southern – team in the american hockey league so every bus trip was long and we all went through uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting as i mentioned you know bobby a first round pick troy a, a middle rounder and then i wasn't even drafted but for all of us to go through that together and to go through you know people you know a little bit embarrassed about the way the penguins were playing but you know we all cut our teeth and and then all come up at the same time and though hey it was all worth it every bit of it was all worth it to finally, you know, lift that cup on May 25th, 1991. You know, it was it was the ultimate goal, and for us to all go through it together, that's it's something special. We had our own T-shirt. You remember that? I we saw, did. I was going through the attic the other day, <laughs> I, and I saw it. Yeah. About a year ago, I was going I know. through there. The caricatures. Yeah. yeah. Caricatures. Yeah. I know. It was unbelievable. Yeah, I still hey. look like Rocky off the mask. That one, but, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? You had, what do you mean? Somebody made a T-shirt. Yeah. yeah it was. Yeah. I think there was a bunch of us on the three, yeah, of, us the three of us were on it. Yeah, oh, was it just, just yeah, the three, just the three of us. No, uh, and, you know, and I, I got a funny copy of that. No, uh, it is interesting though, and, and I, I'm certainly not tooting our horn here at all. But it is interesting that you know when we started to leave and go to other teams, that they didn't win another cup here. You know that they had some great teams. They had a great team in '93, but. We weren't here, you know. Like uh, Troy, were you it, not here? Well, I was here, Phil. But yeah, <laughs> and I know they, they. I know why they got rid of you guys. I'm just surprised they yeah, let me go for different the reasons. Right that, that, and, and we continue to talk about even with this this 2019 team that they need guys like Troy Loney, they need guys like Bob Airy. Like those guys are not only going to pay the price to do all the little things, but get you the big goal every now and again. And those that's the equation to win a Stanley Cup. Having guys like this, I agree, and I think. You guys, if there's a Mount Rushmore of role players for the Penguins in their history of the organization, you three guys are on it. 
and people talk about you three all the time. And Troy made the joke the other day. He said people think we're all we're all in the same line. Yeah. I'm like people still think that, that you guys were a line. They were a great fourth line. You know? No, it's like <laughs> that's not possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say this, too. It was great to be part of something from some, because I'm sure these guys would would say the same thing. I, there were times I was, you know, I, I called my agent and go, you got to get me out of here. I've been up and down yeah, sure. four times in a year. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, you know, and and uh, and to be able to stick around the whole thing and see it start to come. You know, obviously, when uh, when Mario came and, and felt that momentum going. Uh, and to see what this organization is now and what it means to the city from where we started when we came here, what a huge difference. And it has been really cool to be part of that. And you're all still living in the Berg. Amazing, yeah. right? It is amazing. All it's still great living city. in the Berg. Yeah. Great city. Yeah, they appreciate their, uh, their athletes, and we appreciate the city. So it's uh, it's like a small town, really a small town feel here in a big city. Yeah, not only opportunities to work, obviously, but, yeah, I think we all feel the appreciation. What are we talking 27 years later, yeah, we still get the appreciation of you know just the little things that we did to help bring the first championship here. And before you go, Badger Bob talked about how you'll appreciate it more 30 years from now. Remember he used to say yep. that? You yep. guys will appreciate it more 30 years from now than they do now. Uh, was that right? Well, I think it's right. Yeah, I mean, I hear yeah, Crosby yeah. came out the other day saying he's starting to appreciate the playoffs now. It's yeah. meaning more now. So when you have a chance to reflect, of course yeah. it. Yeah, well, it's just you, you. Just the memories flood back pretty hard, right? I mean, you you th- you can look back and say how uh, to, to what we were talking about today, how hard it was to get there, and then to see what you did. You know, it's easier to look back on it and and, and recognize that because when you're in it, you're in it, I and mean, it's just for me, I was I was in it, and it's the next shift, and it's the next game, it's the next this, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. But when you look back at it, and you know, like I I go back to the the penguin put the penguins put together that two hour documentary. When you every fan should watch that yeah. just so they get they really understand it. It wasn't this all the time, and a lot of different folks paid a lot of big prices to get it there. No, we all played with hundreds and hundreds of players on different teams, and, <laughs> Literally. right? And yes. right, and could have uh, been in one season. Oh, and um, you know, none of us ever won a championship, right? No. No. After '92, we kept looking for it, and. Uh, even in this walk of life, you know, with Troy, with what he's doing in the business world and what Bobby and I are doing in broadcasting, yeah, we found some kind of happiness. But I'll be honest with you, what we had in the early 90s, that kind of family environment, yeah. I never found it again. And that's why when I see these guys, it's it's kind of like 27 years ago, man, because it was the happiest moment of my life. I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we look forward to it. Having Troy here to bust us, right? <laughs> yeah, why not? Why, why wouldn't not? you guys look to that? It wouldn't yeah. have been the same without it. Yeah. How come you didn't have an IROC Camaro? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't afford it. These guys, these are the guys making all the money. I bought a standard. I couldn't even drive it out of the lot. Probably because AFCA wouldn't let him buy <laughs> that one. That might have been it. That's exactly right. <laughs> he was already married. That's right. Already married. Hey, guys, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for everything you've done for the Penguins. All right. All thanks, right. thanks, Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Shaped by the energy and opportunity of downtown Pittsburgh, the Point Park University experience is unlike any other. It's a more active, more engaged, more professional education. Ideally located, that's the point. Point Park University. Learn more at pointpark.edu.